Okay, so welcome back to our continuing series of the study of Dafyomi. Uh, we are now Masachet Yivamot Daf Yudbet Amoralif towards the top of the page. We're picking up, picking up from where we left off in the podcast. Toshma Machzirgu Shato Mishni So again, back to Machzirgu Shato. He v'tzaratacholetzet. So if he dies, then he and the tzara do chalitza. That of course makes no sense. He v'tzaratacholetzet. Which means that either he or he or she or her the tzara do chalitza. Well, so the tzara can't do yibam. Didn't we already explain it? So we already adjusted that to say she cannot do yibam, uh, but the tzara could do yibam or chalitza. Good. This takes us to the first general topic today. Which is Tsarat Mima'enet. Remember that a Mima'enet is a uh, young girl who was married off by her mother, by someone not her father, a guardian who was not her father, which is done really to protect, uh, I put a note there on the page, protect girls in a position of vulnerability by having them married, but because the marriage was not the right up, the Rabbanon established it, it be dissolved by them simply walking away. That process is called Mi'un. Sarat Mimayanet. Now, what Sarat Mimayanet means, as we'll see, is that a girl is married to a man. Man dies before she reaches the age of majority and hasn't done Miyun yet. And then she does Miyun against the Yavam. The Yavam wants to marry her. She does Miyun, she walks out. Or the Yavam is Miyabim, and she walks out. Then Sarat Mimayanet is where we get to. Sarat Mimayanet Asura. Who is she Asur to? Laman. Ile Malachim. I think she's asur to the other brothers. Ashtahi gufa sharia. What, you mean that Ma'anet herself could marry the brothers? Why? She does miyun against one of the brothers, and she's mutter to the other brothers because retroactively she was never married to anybody before. Right? So it can't be that she's asur to the brothers. She's asur to the guy she did miyun to. Now, why should she be? After all, she was married to a guy sort of, did Yibum with his brother and then did Miyun to that. At this point, the Miyun means everything that happened before doesn't count. So why can't she then go ahead and marry him? Why should the Ma'enet be multiple brothers? Because, after all, they did not do anything. They didn't participate at all. So that Tzara also had nothing done to her either. So why should she be uh, Asur? So, because of of meaning, let's say that uh, a man's uh, daughter, uh, how bitomayanet is kind of inexact because that's impossible. Father, father's alive. But let's say that another erva fell to him, and she was a minor, and she uh, did miyun. So we don't allow the tsarat to marry. Uh, why is that? Um, since when is that Asur? We had in our mission that it said that if any of the Arayot did Miyun, then the other Tzarot are back in the Ibum camp. Right? So if they did Miyun, that means they were never married, and that means these other women are all Nochriot. They're not, they're, they're, they have no ever relationship with this particular brother, so they're back in. So who did she do Miyun against? Even with the Miyun of Baal, 
if you think that's the case where she did miyun against her husband, the original husband, that's the same as divorcee. You said miyunu onit garsh. Ella alav biavam. It must be that she did yibum against the avam. And then it says that sh- that uh, the tsarot are all mutter back in the yibum camp. So how can you tell me that there's zerav tsarat ma'anet because tsarat bitom ma'anet? We just said that tsarat bitom ma'anet is mutter back in yibum. In other words, we said in our mishnah was that any of these fifteen arayot fall to the problematic brother, um, the whole group is patur from yibum. Unless the problem relationship does biyun, in which case she was never there, in which case all the tzorot are back in. So we said, what does that mean? That must be that she was ma'en against the avam. And it still works. So you see that there is no tzorah of ma'enet that's a problem, even with an erva. So there's no reason that tzorah of a stam ma'enet should be a problem. Right? So then we said... Um, uh, that, that that's the same. That it can't be that she did meun against the husband. That's the same as grusha. The answer is lo. The olam bal. Really, she did meun against the husband. Trey gavne gerushin. Gerushin, garsha, and meona are two versions of the same thing. In other words, what we say is as follows: If she did meun against her original husband, and then afterwards the husband died, and the other woman fell to him, and none of them had any other relationship, then they're all back in the evil camp. If, on the other hand, she never did Yibum, and she fell, and then she did Miyun against the Yavam, then we say that the other Tzarot are, uh, are about to have to do Chalitza, but can't do Yibum. Uh, and the reason for that, let's see why. Uh, so why do we say that if she did Miyun against the husband, then all the Tzarot are regular, back in the regular camp? After all, she destroyed the Nisuin. After all, if she does miyun against the Avam, she's retroactively uprooting the original Nisun anyways, because her relationship with the Avam is the result of her original marriage. That if a woman does miyun against a man, stop, then she can marry his father, because she was never really married to this guy. But if she does miyun against the Avam, then she's not allowed to marry the father. Why? Because the minute that the husband dies and she falls, she looks already like she's in the family. Uh, same thing in our case. So in other words, if she did miyun against her original husband, there was no point at which she fell to the brothers. Therefore, we disregard presence at all. If, on the other hand, she did fall, and then afterwards did keep, and then afterwards did me, and even though technically it uproots everything retroactively, nonetheless, it looks as if they're married, so therefore we don't permit the Yibu. Now, the next case, and we saw both Shmuel and this next case or much earlier on in Daf Gimel, is Sarat uh, Ailonit. Remember, an Ailonit is a girl who, it turns out, uh, does not develop any secondary sexual characteristics, and that means retroactively, if the husband is not aware of that, that uh, he can claim Mekach Ta'ut and whatever valid. It's the same thing that Sarav and Ailunit cannot marry the brother. Look, Pasuk number one, which is from the Parsh of Yibum, it says that uh, what the point of Yibum is that the firstborn child was born. Does that mean? So therefore, Ailunit's not in the Parsha because she can't convert. 
Now, maybe Rav Let's say you have this case. Three brothers are married to three women who are no relation to each other. So now what happened is brother number one died. That means wife number one fell to brothers number two and three. Now, the second one did Ma'amar. We haven't talked about Ma'amar at all, but Ma'amar is a form of Kiddushin Darabonon done on Yivama, in which one brother designates that he is going to be the one to act on that particular wife. All right, we'll mate, and then he dies before he has a chance to consummate. What happens is the wives of brother number one now do chalitza to brother number two, not yibum. Why? The parsh of yibum is predicated on one brother dying and his wife going to another brother. So in other words, the only time Yibam works is when the Zika comes from one brother, not from two brothers. Here, brother number three is connected by brother number one who died, and then brother number two, who did who did uh, Maimar on her, which is a partial Zika. So in other words, he's partially filling in for brother number two in the in the filling the Zika from brother number one. Partially is picking up the Nefila from brother number two, and therefore he's out of the uh, out of the parsha, Tanya Allah, what do we learn about that case? Rabbi Yosef Zuhi Tsarat Eshet Ach Me'av She Isur Nefila Garim La. And so Rabbi Yosef said, this is the one case where what created the Isur was the fact that she fell. In other words, it's Dafka because she fell to brother number two creates the Isur now on brother number two. This is the only case where we find such. What's Rav Yosef blocking? In some other case where you might think it happens, isn't it not blocking out Sarat Ailanit, which means that when the Ailanit falls to another brother, that Sarat is not blocked out? It's coming to say that the Sarat Ailanit is usher even more than that case. How's that? My Zuhi, Zuhi is to the Filagarabla. In the case that we had, three regular women not related to each other, with well, brother one died, wife one fell to brother number two, brother two did ma'amar, and then died. In that case, there is a need for chalitza. Or if in our case, I will need to feel chalitza by the island and it's none of the tzarot need chalitza at all. Good. Now, my time, the answer is because Ma'amar is the Rabbana, and therefore the Kiddushin of Ma'amar are not strong enough to uproot her from Yibum totally. However, it's enough to say that she, that she can only do Chalitza. In our case, Ailit itself is a Doraita. We'll see what in a second, because the Torah says she has to be somebody who could give birth. Therefore, there is no Yibum at all. Now, How can you tell me that Tzarat Ailit is a Surah? <coughs> Our Mishnah says that if the woman turns out to be an island, the Erva turns out to be an island, all the Tsarot are back in the Yibum camp. So you can't say Tsarat Islandit Asura when if the Islandit was an Erva, then being an island now opens them back up in. It really depends if the husband knew she was an island. If he knew she was an island, then he accepted it that the Kiddushin are valid, then her presence is meaningful, and she exempts them all. 
If, on the other hand, he did not know she was an island, if that's the case in our Mishnah, then Kiddushin really are invalid as a Mechatot, and therefore her presence is not not considered, and therefore the other Tzarot are all back together. Good. Uh, and that's why the Mishnah says that they turned out to be Shinimsu Ailanit. In other words, nobody knew they were an Ailanit, and then later on, we wait a little while, we see they develop, the age comes, the age is, and they are five, whatever it might be, and we see that they're an Ailanit. Good. Now, Shmamit. Now, Amarava. Rava now sums up the whole suit and says, Hilchata, Sarat Ailanit, Peret. Kirva. Maaseh, the Tsarav and Ailanit is allowed to marry even if the husband knew she was, knew she was an Ailanit, and continued, so there's no Echthot, nonetheless, Tsarav and Ailanit stays in. In other words, he rejects the Drasha, Asher Ailanit, And even if his own daughter fell to him, and she turned out to be an Ailanit, Tsarav still marries in, just like the simple reading of our Mishnah. Tani Shahayu. And by the way, he reads in our Mishnah, not Shinsu, but rather Shahayu. It turns out, it, not that it turns out they were an island, but they were an island the whole time. All three cases that we talked about, with the exception of Sota, Gulan Mutarot, so that Sarah Ma'enet, Sarah of an island, and Sarah Machzirku Shatal, all of them may do evil. May do evil, and of course, Chalitza. Good. Now, the next piece that we have is a very critical piece in Halachalamasa, which we will not discuss in this form, as far as issues of birth control. This is the central source of birth control. But it's brought here really as a derachagat. Kanirab Bibi Kamedrav Nachman. So he taught the following thing. There are three kinds of women who are allowed to use some sort of an insertion which, which uh, keeps them from getting pregnant. Kana. A minor, Mu'ubaret, a woman who is pregnant, Umanika, a woman who is nursing. Why? Ketana, Shematita, Aber. Concern is that a Ketana will become pregnant. Vishematamut. Now listen to the wording carefully. She may become pregnant, and then she may die, which means it is possible for a Ketana to become pregnant and not to die, and the child to be born healthy. Good. But the concern is that, that one may happen, and then, and then the other may happen, and that leads to death, therefore we allow birth. Mu'ubaret, Shematasa, Ubaras, Sandal. The concern is that pregnant woman becomes pregnant again, that will cause a damage to the fetus. And if she's uh, uh, nursing, concern is she may wean her son too early, her child too early, and he'll die. We're not going to deal with the last two. Our concern here is only about the Tana. What is a Tana? Basically, 11th, or 11th birthday till the 12th birthday, she's a Tana. Meaning, Mayor, so Mayor, who's the author of this entire piece, says that before that age, meaning 10, up, up until 11, and after 12, she has regular Bia, because the assumption is that up until 11, she couldn't get pregnant, and after 12, it's not a danger. And Chacham said, no, all of them, all of the, the entire age, including the 12th year, she has regular Bia, and Hashem will take care of her. Hashem takes care of fools, meaning people who engage in action, which is sort of like everybody in the world does it, but it's dangerous, so Hashem watches them. Now, what we're concerned with, though, is the observation. that She may become pregnant, and then she may die. Meaning, that means that there are some who could get pregnant and not give why is and not die? What's the problem? 
That means you could have a theoretical situation of Chamoto, your mother-in-law, who is still a Ktana. <coughs> because, after all, if it's possible for a woman to give birth, who is a Ktana, which means she's still in the age of Mion, and, uh, and, and she makes it, and the child makes it, theoretically, although it's very hard practically, you could have a situation of a mother-in-law who is a Ktana. Now, why is that a problem? Uh, so now, what do we say on the Mishnah? Call back in our Mishnah, when we summed up the whole list, we said, and any of these Arayot who turned out to be an Ailanit, Ma'anet, Garshu, whatever it is, Meitu, the Tsarota back in the camp, and we parenthetically, the Mishnah said, you cannot say Ailanit or Mianu about Chamotovim, Chamotovim, Chamib. And after all, according to what we said, theoretically you could. So, so let's go back to Rabbi Meir's original statement and say, not she may become pregnant and then she may die, but rather she may become pregnant and die, meaning if she does become pregnant, automatically she'll die. There is no such thing as a katana who can live through pregnancy. There's a border. Before that age, she can't become pregnant. If she becomes pregnant during that time, she and the fetus will die. And after this time, she and her child under normal circumstances will live. Good. We have another version of our Mishnah which says that Chamoto cannot be listed because they've already given birth, which means that giving birth a definition is something that's that's uh, that's uh, impossible. There really is the concern. Safra gives a very simple answer. He says, once a woman gives birth, that's simanim. She's already an adult and she can't do miyun anymore. You know, she may be 11 and a half years old. Nonetheless, she's considered a gdola. And that's very simple. Which means it is impossible for your mother-in-law to do meal when she's your mother-in-law because once she's given birth, she's out of the age of meal. So people say the children are even stronger than simanim. Who cares? Once you have simanim, what do you care? The Rabbi Huda has a more of a of a stringency, and it's something we'll deal with in Masachat Nida about the definition of simanim. Here we'll agree that if she has children. The minute she has a living child, that's already she's already an adult. Now, from Svinamar, ain't banim below simani. He rephrased it differently. He said it's impossible to have children without simani. Oh, for dog, so why don't we check to see if she has simani? So chashinu chema nashru, because we're concerned maybe the simani themselves have, during the course of childbirth, have dropped off. So so there's a machlok at whether or not Choshashin, Shema Simanim Nashru, again, it's a sugiyatida, whether we're concerned with somebody who doesn't have any apparent Simanim, she may nonetheless be a Kudola because the Simanim may have dropped off. According to those who say we don't have any such concerns, if we don't see them, they're not there. And the answer is, Even the one who says that we don't have such concerns, that's in normal circumstances. We say, if a woman has Simanim, they'll be visible. That would not be true if she had childbirth because of the tremendous physiological pain, uh, uh, transformation that takes place. Simanim indeed may have, may have temporarily disappeared. 
Good. Now, going back to the very end of the Mishnah, the end of the Mishnah that after late presenting all of the 15 Arayot and said that they're potent Tzarotayah and Tzarotayah, then gave a description of how it could happen because a, a uh, man and his woman is married to several wives, and one of the wives was not the Arava that goes ahead and marries one of the other brothers, as he boom, and then he dies. His other co-wives are also potter because they care. We talk, dealt with that deep in depth in the Gemara. Now, according to the Mishnah, the Gemara asks me, how do we know that Sarot carry this sort of contagion, shall we say, to her? Rav Yehuda has one approach to Amar Kral, Litzror. So the Pasuk says Litzror. We've seen it many times. The Torah didn't say Latzur, but Litzror to tell me many Tzarot, multiple layers of Tzarot. Good. And Rav Ashi Amar, <coughs> Svari, he says the Svar, why? She is considered like an erva because she's co-wife with an erva. So, that doesn't change. So, if a tsar is considered like an erva, then when she marries somebody else, she herself is an erva, and her tsarot are now at tsara, and it goes on and on. Good. The, um, the Mishnah then said, laid out the case about Maitu and Nidgarshu, etc. And it said, Nidgarshu is one of the Cases, that if the problem wife was divorced, um, then the rest of them are now open for yibum. Now, that seems to mean that even if the uh, if the if the brother first married the uh, the new wife, the tsarab, and then divorced the problematic wife. It sounds like, nonetheless, once he dies and the tsara falls to the brother who had an erva relationship with the divorced sister-in-law, nonetheless, there'd be Yibum there. That's how we read it. Meaning, even if she was a co-wife at some time with the problem wife, nonetheless, the problem wife is now divorced and out of the picture, therefore, there would be Yibum. Meaning, we have the following case. Gimelachim, we've got three brothers. Brother number one is married to sister number one, brother number two to sister number two, brother number three is not married. For our, for our purposes. So, brother number one divorced sister number one. And the brother number three died. And then, sorry, brother number three didn't have a wife who was an outsider. And then, brother number one married. Uh, the outside wife, who mate, and then brother number one died. That's the case where we say that if they were divorced, then the Yibum is good, meaning brother number one divorced sister number one. Brother number three then died. Brother one did Yibum on the wife of brother number three, an outsider, and then brother number one died, so his wife now falls to brother number two, and that's fine. She's not considered a tsara of Achotishto, because Achotishto was divorced before he married brother number three's wife. Good, and how do we read it? Tama The reason that this works is because he first divorced the problem wife and then married the other one. Our impression is that if first he married, let's say brother number three died first, and he married that wife, and then he, uh, he divorced his wife with sister number one. Then if he dies, if the outside wife falls to brother number two, we assume that she would not marry him because she was at Sarah at some point with his wife's sister, 
even though he, she is currently. That seems to go against, against the way we are in our mission. Ravirmiya says, you're right. And this ruling and our Mishnah are just simply don't agree fundamentally with the uh, with the sequence issue. So Haitana Savarmitama Pellet, because our Tana believes that it's death that creates the Zika, Mita Mapelet, and therefore at the time of Mita, the problem of one woman is already out of the marriage, and therefore it's no problem. Haitana Savar the Rutana, this ruling holds the Sunarishonim Apilim, it's the original marriage. So it has to be the time of the original marriage to the to the uh, to the outside wife, problem wife is already out of the good. That's how. Ravamar liolam chatana. He says no, it's all one tana. In the case of the three brothers, they are picking more obvious case that works, which is when the man first divorced the problem wife and then married the other wife. But indeed, if he did it in the other order, as indicated in our Mishnah, he would also. Good. The end of the Mishnah was He said anybody who could have done Miyun and didn't do Miyun does Chalitza and not Yipum. The reason is because the Kedushin are weak enough that we don't allow Yipum but not strong enough to exempt her totally. Why don't we let her do Miyun now? So The answer is you could do Miyun uh, it, after he did Ma'amar, you can't do Miyun to the essential Zika. Once the essential Zika happens, she can't turn around and say, I'm not interested because that's something that the Torah pushed. Look, Sarat Ervashani, this principle of Ram Rechezkel, we saw at the beginning of this podcast, that he said that once she does Miyun on her husband, she can marry the father, but she does Miyun on her Yavam, she can't. Why? It's the minute of Nefila, it looks like she's already in the family. And then it really looks as if he's marrying his uh, his son's wife. Right? Alma, Misha Nefila, Nereit Kechalato, Achana, Misha Nefila, Nereit Kesarat Pito. Therefore, once Nefila happens, and we don't allow him to be even with her, and that's why we do force Chalitza. Everybody should have a wonderful day, and we'll tomorrow we will start on the next mission.